Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. With me, I have uh, Andreas Obel. And today we're going to talk about being a marketing leader and uh, how to choose the right job. There's a, <laughs> I don't know what it is with our trade, but a lot of changes in jobs. So the people a, don't stay. There's a lot of churn when you, uh, when you talk marketing, right? Yeah. So I think this thing about like, how do you, or at least try to select a good future employer is a, is a good discussion. But yeah, first of all, maybe I think introducing you would be a good thing <laughs> sure, you, you know that. yourself better than i do even though we're i'm kind not of... sure at this point <laughs> uh yeah but well, we're, yeah yeah just disclosure we also we chat on linkedin and facebook etc when we need advice from each other so we do know each other a bit and uh we just talked about uh, children's names before this yeah. so uh <laughs> yeah all right well my name is andreas I, I also respond to andrew because it can be difficult to say andreas if you're not danish it kind of rankles the tongue i've been doing uh, marketing both b2b and b2c in 13 odd years at this point and i just joined neurons which is a phenomenal company where i, I can maybe do an intro on that uh, later without uh, pitching the idea too much and basically, I, I stumbled into marketing. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I yes. actually did. I'm just a massive nerd. Like I played World of Warcraft for a great many years, and that kind of realization that you can actually take a skill. In my sense, it was copywriting, being a nerd, that I could actually leverage. So I got offered a job where I had to write SEO texts. I didn't oh, know I didn't it was know SEO text. <laughs> I was just handed a list with, you know, red uh, carpets, green carpets, yellow carpets, and then I had to write. 300 words per word, oh, crap. <laughs> 15 articles a day. I churned so much as you know, and then I realized this is not very fun. <laughs> so I, I talked to uh, my then manager in 2008, 2009 and said, I think I can do more. So he showed me Google ads and I don't know, do you know, uh, Andrew, Andrew Luck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did uh, it work yeah, okay, actually it was know. the same company. So they had two Andreas that both <laughs> respond to Andrew. And it was just uh, when I started, Andrew uh, actually quit right then, started his own thing. Yeah. Uh, amazing, uh, phenomenal advertiser as well. And I kind of took over the uh, Google ads there and that kind of just vaulted me into uh, full-scale marketing. I guess it's also like during the SEO thing, you also started to learn a bit like how does Google work and, and exactly. so forth? Yeah, it's, it's a lot about the data game, right? One thing is which data can we use to actually optimize something, but also what kind of information can I learn that I can then do shortcuts to reach the goal? And it became a lot about that. We ended up having, I don't know, 100 and 120 Google Ads clients, and it was just me and one other person. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot, but I didn't know at the time. I thought this is normal. Uh, it <laughs> wasn't like booked from uh, eight in the morning to eight in the evening. It, it was lovely. And then uh, at the same time, we were like, let's start a deal site. It became a lot of work. That was fun. Good learning experience. I think like that's good for the next question I wrote down for you. Yeah. Like, what are some of the non-marketing specific uh, things, for example, writing or other stuff that makes you better at marketing? Me specifically or in general? I think you specifically. That's, that's yeah. the case you know. The um, well, me specifically is I have a weird mind. Like I can remember and retain a lot of information, like a silly amount, granted for a short period of time. But that means that I can fix a lot of things. So basically, uh, if you give me all the information you have about a company, I can retain all this information, look for possible solutions. Some of it are like half measures and so on, but we can get to the next step. 
And that also means I can learn at a rapid pace. So for example, when I've done consultancy work, that has been a sick game changer because I can go into a company, I can just ask so many questions over a short period of time. And then we can maybe 10x something here or 2x something here. That's <laughs> that's a, nice. I guess that's that's maybe a troll gift. Yeah, but we've done it as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So, no, but I was more thinking, uh, yeah, is there any like a skill you can like other can like maybe your so more in general? Yeah. Definitely is uh, uh is being humble, I think. And I don't say that as a skill, but it's the fact that you need to fail. Like guys to work with used to say uh, fail forward fail forward fast. Yeah, I like fail forward smart. So the thing is it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, you know, step wrong, uh, step on the, you know, something you shouldn't have done yeah. as long as you learn from it. That's also what I try to instill in the teams that I work with is make as many mistakes as you can, but just make the same ones only once. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and that, you know, sets a rapid growth. I think about this mindset a bit similar, but I think about it, like think about everything as experiments. So mm. you constantly run tests. Let's try it out. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't work, Fine, we move on to the next yeah, one. Precisely. Right? <laughs> when you find stuff that works, then like double, triple, four X, 10 X if you can and put more into it. Can I uh, bounce it back? What uh, non-marketing specific makes you better at marketing? I didn't prepare for this. That's why I'm asking. Uh, it's okay to fail. Yeah, indeed. It's a good one. I think I am pretty creative. So like quickly come up with more ideas on how to solve a problem. Like yeah. if this doesn't work, let's move on to the next one. Or well, that's a strong skill. Like uh, none, like I would also say kind of empathy or something mm -hmm. like that. When you're like trying to like, if you want to get something to happen, think about what, what is the other person thinking, liking, exactly, uh, right? wants more of, and you know, What's that matters a lot if you do ads, videos, right, yeah. uh, etc. And then I think you're really good at building relationships. This is something I've noticed is uh, you build rela strong relationships with a lot of people. Yeah. So there's always someone, you know, who could bounce ideas off and so on. That's a strong skill. I think, yeah, that when I, when I run into trouble or like can't come up with any more ideas, and so I always just start pinging people I I know know something about things. Maybe just pause here and then say like, if you're listening to us, we have planned like two sections. One section is the one Andreas's background and how you get into marketing. And then the other one is when you're starting a new job, how to select the right company, how do you prepare for it? How do you go on to achieve stuff? And then a last question I wrote to you about your background. Maybe you can mention just a few tactics or tricks, just anecdotally that mm -hmm. have worked really well for you in the past. Sure. Well, we can take one data and yeah. one people related maybe. So on the data side, we ran a, a huge Google ads setup, you know, spending uh, millions. And that means we accrued, accumulated a lot of data really which, quickly. Uh, which place? This was in Illumi. Illumi, yeah. okay. That accumulated a large amount of data. So what we did was try and build different audiences around that, see, you know, which performed, which didn't. Then we actually took one and said, what happens if we just target everywhere within our defined segment? And so no specific targeting, no keywords, just go broad. No keywords. In so uh, we had, um, there are exact match, phrase match, and broad match, yeah. right? And if you go exact match, this is exactly what you get. Yeah. If you go on broad match, if it you search for blue sneakers, you can yeah. get, you know, footlockers address in Spain, yeah. that kind of thing. We just went fully broad on it and trusted that we had enough data to optimize. It completely blew every other campaign out of the water, not just a little, but a lot. Hmm. And shout out to uh, Constantine, who actually uh, was the guy uh, behind the idea on this one. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. I, uh, this is maybe like a little bit Google search ads, uh, nerdy, but um, 
I've stopped using a broad match pretty much because like I think Google tends to show all sorts send all sorts of crap. So at least you need to kind of uh, it's like a, a garden where like the grass con continues Definitely. to grow. So you want to keep down the bad search like like yeah. non-relevant search queries. Hundred uh, like percent. Just to clarify that, <laughs> don't go out and use broad match like that. It was a sick gamble and it paid off. What I'm saying is we uh, had a large volume of data. Yeah. And then we had enough data that we wanted to actually test something. It was actually kind of a happy little mistake that we stumbled upon because that mm. was not the intended effect. But this is what happens, right? When you fail a lot and you learn from it, you can then move forward. And that's what happens. So on the people side, we had the same place, a very large amount of leads. So about 1,500 uh, demo bookings in a month. They all went into the SDR teams. Fifteen hundred. That was a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, when you get this amount of volume, there's some that are good. There's some that are not. There are some that yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. good later on. But they went as far as like requesting a demo specifically. Yes. Yeah. Um, so one of the uh, the people related thing is they were all going to the SDRs. Yeah. And SDRs, I I want to hands down say it's probably the toughest job in uh, in SaaS uh, tech companies here. It's opening doors where people are trying to shut them. But that also means you have to have a very specific skill set. You need to be able to kick in doors yeah. and show value in a very split second, right? So we created an MDS role, market development specialist. It was just to kind of differentiate between the two. Mm. Basically, an inbound and outbound SDR. If yeah. you, have you read the predictable revenue? Yes. Yeah. They, they kind of advocated this as well. So we tested it out where we took all the leads and we gave, uh, gave them to the, uh, the new MDS here. And we just saw conversion rates soar. And did this person report to you then? Yes. It was a team of, I think, three in the beginning, scaling to five. I, uh, of course, no longer work in Illumi. Uh, mm. I haven't followed what happened uh, since then. So the, like for at our, our, our dream data, the demo bookings go directly to an account executive. Yep. But here you had like an, a layer before it went. Yeah, I, I actually, um, I'd say if you have, the capacity, like if the AEs have the capacity, then fine. Yeah. But keep in mind that the AE's job is not to contact leads, it's to mm. close. Yeah. And closing doesn't only happen when there's a meeting in the calendar. The closing also happens when you know you game play a game of foosball while talking to Stefan yeah, and say, yeah, Hey, yeah. what do we do? So as long as they have enough room to actually close, it's fine. But I prefer having someone who can quickly talk, you know, product, shop, talking to the use case, know how to speak to these people, convey value, get more people on the demo mm. than actually do it. Sometimes they would even show the demo, right? Just a quick yeah. glance. Someone like you and me, we'd like a quick intro, right? Yeah. I think it's interesting, this thing where this belongs, whether it belongs under the marketing leader or the sales leader. At least in my experience, most place it under the sales leader yeah. and not under the marketing leader. Yeah. The reason why it's, I want to say here, it actually moved into sales later on. Yeah. The reason why it started in marketing is if you go into a marketing role, even if you talk on the CRO level, mm. if you take a marketing profile, you'll typically get a lot more focus on structure, systems, processes. Yeah, that's correct. And if you take a more sales role, obviously I'm cutting uh, yeah. <laughs> everything over in a you know small thing here, you'll get more coaching, guidance, energy. So we put it over into uh, my segment for process setup. Once we had that and, uh, you know, it was a thriving top performing team. Yeah. We actually put them back into sales because they wanted that energy and so mm. on. And the performance kind of continued. That's nice. Yeah. So the success measure was to get them to take another meeting in that sense. The success measure was, I can't talk specific no, numbers, no, but what I can see is we wanted the lift in how many leads were shown into demo which was their job, but yeah. also how many of those demos actually became a qualified deal. And this is the, the thing, it's if you're an AE 
Mm. And you have a lot of work on your plate. You might go in and look, okay, I need, this is probably not a good lead. So mm. you might actually disqualify. Yeah. What you actually want to do is you want to get the AEs to have enough room to actively qualify it. Right. That was the MDS's job. If there was something they were in a doubt of, that's what they would spend their energy on. If it yeah. was a slam dunk, they yeah. just send it off. I just find this like the intersection between marketing and sales so interesting and important because like in B2B, if we do, we can do the best marketing in the world, but if the salespeople don't pick up the phone when the demo is booked or yeah. like, you know, then nothing comes out of it. Definitely. And on the same, the other way around as well, right? Yeah. If the salespeople are ready to pick up the phone, but we take something, you know, terrible and send it to them. They're not going to trust the next 10 minutes, right? <laughs> They're not going to buy your beer either. They're not. Let's take our first uh, question before we move into sure. your new job. So I'll just read it out. Uh, what are the major differences between starting in a marketing leader position in a healthy and thriving uh, economic market versus times like these where it's you know more insecure, uh, sure. more turmoil? I'd say it's a very big question uh, for, for this uh, particular thing here. But if I had to just really short give it a stab, I'd say it depends on the company you choose. Because in every uh, downturning economy, there's always going to be something that actually has a slight upturn. And Neurons, Neurons Inc., which I've joined, is in one of those positions. There's an upturn opportunity. So what we're doing here, while there is you know, a low saturation in the market, low ad prices and so on, mm. is we're building a presence. So once we get to the upturn, then we're there. But you know, in a smaller sense, there's more money in different times. Yeah, I think it's a right? good question. Uh... What, what would you answer on this one? I think there's more conservatism in general. So take less chances, use less money a bit. Uh, at least this is what we, we see. And you can see CPM prices is falling because people aren't spending as much. Which money. is lovely. <laughs> if you have money, it's fine. But I think like maybe you don't want to take those kind of moonshot ideas that where one out of 20 works out, yeah. but you want to go more safe and I think the best thing you can do is uh, like show really tangible results all the time and also like if you can proactively identify ways to to save a bit of money I think everybody will be happy as well yeah and maybe to add on to that is also the other side of the coin right which is it's fine to to save money everyone wants to save money but there's also when you join a company in in a leading position no matter if it's marketing sales finance you're also hired for your skill set and your knowledge yeah so you want to be able to come in and say look I actually think we should use money, but this is why in this area over here, if you can show, you know, some kind of win, just a minimum viable product type of win, you're fine with scaling it. So what you can do instead of running big gambles, small gambles and many yeah. of them, right? Yeah. Probably like most tangible thing would be to like write down a list of everything marketing is doing right now and say, these are the things that make super sense. And these are the ones where we should, let's give it a rest for now. Or we actually like did that. that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, nice. yeah. Let's move into the, next, <laughs> the the title then. So what to do uh, in the first 100 days as a marketing leader? Mm -hmm. And I think actually, let's start even before that with a, how do you actually, uh, what was the, like you must have done a lot of thoughts. You've had come through a lot of good jobs in the past. And how do you choose your next job then? Do yeah. you have like a mental framework for, for that? I am in a very lucky position because uh, I, I know a great many super talented people. So... I didn't actually tell anyone that I stopped in Illumi and then people started reaching out. So, you know, it, the work kind of spread, which is just very unique position. And you probably had kind of the same yeah. uh, ones, right? So I'd say if we just disregard that and think more in general terms, yeah. I actually accepted to go somewhere else than Neurons. And then uh, Brian, do you know Brian Seiling? Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he reached out and he said, 
I started this company called Neurons. I think it's going to be amazing fit for you here. And I really want you to work here as well. <laughs> uh, we have a good relationship with each other. Yeah. He's a sales guy. I'm a marketing guy. And I said, no. Then he said, for all friendship's sake, come by, just have a cup of coffee, meet the yeah. people. And I did that. And I said, okay, let's do this. So <laughs> the, the reason why I stepped from uh, what would you do over to here is sometimes you don't necessarily make the right choice in the first go. But it, it, as, as with marketing, have a large amount of data. What was the tangible things at Neurons then that made you get the right gut feeling about it? I've done a large amount of consultancy work. So yeah. I met a lot of different leaderships, right? Yeah. I've also worked with capital, uh, you know, a lot of capital venture capitalists. So I, I know kind of what that game is. When I stepped into Neurons, I met the CEO there, Thomas Sweger, I'm sorry. The dude is unbelievable. He's a scientist first and he's a businessman second. And that, that, no, but that is amazing. That means the quality of the work that we do here is I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> so, so that was actually what was like that piqued my interest. Was it the, like the, the product? The, the product is amazing. Yeah, so yeah. maybe should I briefly explain what Neurons does? Yeah, just would that make sense? Fly over it. Yeah, sure. Just uh, very short here is um, for the last nine years or so, Neurons has uh, been sent out to different companies. So Facebook, we've worked with TikTok, Ikea, Lowe's, Nintendo, which I think is pretty cool, <laughs> the nerd in me. They wanted to find something or figure out something. So they'll reach out to Neurons and they'll say, hey, how does, do people feel when this specific thing happens? We want to test these kind of people this kind of way. Neurons then figure out where are these people in the world, fly people out, put brain scanners on them, these EEG things you see mm. from like Stranger Things, eye tracking, and they actually give people real environments where they're like, okay, just sit for half an hour, watch this TV, and then there might be a five-second commercial in that. They can then measure these EEGs, where you look and how you feel. How <laughs> scary is it that when you look at a commercial of, some, of a car and you feel kind of sad, and someone poured millions into that. But over the last nine years, Thomas and Mike was the CEO. They kind of scaled this whole thing. So now there's about 200 billion data points. These have been turned into a SaaS product. This is where I come in. This tool is insane. And that's actually one of the drivers for, uh, for me joining. Does it use the camera of the computer nowadays then? Or? You can use that as well. But there's something in the quality of what you do. So basically, um, predict, as it's called, mm. is uh, you can upload a picture or a video and it will accurately predict where people are looking. Mm. Now, if, if you work in demand generation or brand and so on, imagine that you place your logo in the bottom right corner. That's, you, by the way, called the zone of death. Yeah. <laughs> Could you run like, like the front page of our website through yes. it and then? Yeah, take okay. a, one thing I, I did with, uh, I showed this to uh, Dave the other day from uh, Ocean, yeah. uh, who, by the way, is uh, an amazing dude. You should get him on this as well. <laughs> and I just recorded one of the landing pages in a video and uploaded it. And then I browsed it as I normally would. And mm -hmm. what you could see is where people looked on it. Yeah. What was interesting was you can see, okay, this doesn't get any attention. Yeah. The AI that's behind this is insane. It, it's the only kind of the world. Uh, most, I don't know if all, but all the ones I've seen that are in the competitive space are built on like open source data. Lions and Savannah or, you know, people shopping. Yeah. This is built on actionable data. I think that there's one good. Now I'm pitching it. I'm yeah. sorry. It was just, a, I love this. It's nerdy stuff. The, uh, but I think what I've been trying to choose as well has been like businesses that are like in a macro sense, moving in the right directions. Yeah. And so both, is it, is it an industry that will get, is the, will the cake continue to get larger mm -hmm. here? But also then, is it like a quality product? that you think will do well in the future <laughs> because exactly. then all the tactics that you run afterwards, like if you have the macro trends going for you and you know, like 
qualitative wise, it's also this product in itself is also a good product. Then you just set yourself up a little bit more likely to uh, to succeed with uh, Definitely. Uh, with marketing. Yeah, it's there's a lot of good questions on this, right? And there we can talk about this for us. As you may have realized now, you just turn me on and I don't stop talking until you pause me. <laughs> so uh, Joshua is trying to pause us here. He's writing, do you have any experience coming in as a marketing leader where either you or the majority team is remote? Yes, but uh, not where I actually work there more as a consultant. I can't name the company, but it's a company that needs to scale their um, revenue from existing sources. And what happened here is that this particular company, they actually had a really good team culture in, uh, you know, in place. But the main difference is if everyone is remote, then, you know, it, it's just the way they work. It's more difficult if you have people who are actually, you know, this team is remote. So we had that in Illumi as well, where, you know, during Corona, people yeah. uh, work remote. We started every morning with just a 15 minute call where we didn't talk about work. Yeah, It's just like, hey, how are you doing? I'd say if you want to build trust in your team like that, it's on you to make sure that the team has uh, that trust. That means talk to people, establish uh, the trust here. And if someone doesn't pick up when you call, that's fine. Did they reach the KPIs and all these things? Mm -hmm. It's it's so individual. Uh, but Joshua, I'd say on, on this particular one, talk to people. It what, is... what, what would you do? So I'm... Uh... I'm definitely uh, prefer to to have an office and then like, Me too. then you can work from home one or two days a week, but it is really tough and you need to spend time together. I know um, it's a lot of these remote companies that I follow where they do meet up physically, either just in their team or as the whole company a couple of times a year. And yeah. I think this thing about, you know, being able to have a beer or a pizza or something like together once in a while is definitely important to to put in there. But it is probably a lot on what the culture in the company is, but trust within the team comes from, uh, from you uh, first and then your employees second, right? Yeah. You need to place trust. Costanella, just real quick, I can see you asked one earlier. The industry of that company was human resources, mm. but it's been duplicated in, in many others. Cool. So how much do you prepare before you start? Can you prepare as a marketing leader? Definitely. Yeah, a very smart guy once said that you need a plan so you can deviate from it. <laughs> and I subscribe to that. Before I joined Neurons, I'd actually made a plan for what I want to have done in the first month, in the first three, and in the first six. Mm. I also showed that before I joined and got buy-in from everyone. I think that's a super smart one yeah. to do. And also, I, I just want to really give a huge shout-out to the team here. This was a six-month plan. The leadership team in Neurons is so aligned, and the marketing team is so good at cooperating, that these six-month plan, we've actually achieved like 80 90% of it in two months. Now, the thing is, it didn't go exactly according to the plan. But I did prepare a lot, and then I asked a lot of questions. So once we actually start working on it, we freestyle a little bit. But in the end, we get to a really good place, right? I think that that's uh, like for any kind of job situation or like job uh, hunting conversation, going in and actually showcasing, this is what I would do if it was me, Yeah, really shows that you can be proactive, you can think ahead strategically, and it's also transparent to show this is what you prioritize. So if it doesn't like if they don't like what they see on that plate, then they, they probably shouldn't hire you. But no, exactly. If they do like what they see, then you also know that at least they've said in the beginning that they agreed that this was the right tactic. hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know if you can disclose some of it, but what were the things that you found out that you had to deviate from? I wanted to work quickly on the amount of, uh, you know, uh, processes between sales and marketing. Yeah. I don't really see sales as marketing as two different departments. Rather, mm -hmm. I see it as part of the same funnel, but mm -hmm. just in each end. But uh, once we started working with it, I realized that while there was built a good foundation, 
it needed a good amount of work before we actually got to a point where, you know, okay, we're happy, let's move on. So instead of that, the sales leadership, myself and the CEO sat down, I mapped out, here's the concept for solution. We aligned mm. it to, you know, reality, went ahead with it. And yeah, we, we kind of, I think, doubled the amount of leads that go through now. I so think sales like, is not complaining. Then. No, but I, I think they should. Here's the thing, right? Because there's, can I swear on this one? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> there's some shit leads yeah. and that's okay. What we need to find out is uh, whether they are shit or whether they're not, right? Yeah. So we had to deviate from that. That also means at this point, we don't know where all the bad ones come from, but we can find out. Right? Oh, what about the, the Maybe there's a product for that as well. Do you know any? <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, I've yeah. just heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, is it inverted when we uh, stream? Can they see the lo uh, logo, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anybody can tell us where that logo Th is. Does uh... that say Dream Data or like... Uh, <laughs> Something or, else. Or how much do you speak with sales then, uh, like on a weekly or monthly or every day? Every day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'd say we. It's a lot about the um, the relationships, right? For for sales departments, most marketing departments will be. You know, we sit around in a room, think about the color purple, mm -hmm. uh, and then we move on, right? Yeah. So there is. Um, sorry, it's because we can see the questions. Yeah. <laughs> so I will take it. that afterwards, yeah. Mark. So. There's a large amount of information you can get from just having a conversation. Yeah. And I don't mean go in and say, how was that lead? What is the status? Like a weekly meeting where you talk about that. I mean, sit down, talk to something. Mm. A really good example is there was a guy called Jack I used to work with. We had a keyword called onboarding, which is around, you know, at that point, maybe 10, 15% of leads. Yeah. I sat and chatted to him and he said, oh, did you know in England, it's not called onboarding, it's called induction. That <laughs> never came up in any of the keyword research. No. We did it out of the hundred leads. Nice. Like just from a condo. I think also like, yeah, I, I take part of the weekly sales meeting every week where yeah. they look at their pipeline because you just want to hear what are these guys talking mm -hmm. about. If there's something that consistently comes up, it should be on the website. So the salesperson doesn't have to sit and answer the same Precisely. question every time. Do you use Gong or anything to record meetings? Not yet, but I know uh, Martin, our sales leader, is yeah. looking at. Um, I think oh, yeah, I, I would actually love our salespeople to use that as well yeah. because then identifying what people are talking about will be a million times easier. So you can also transcribe, so you can uh, search for it. But uh, you use HubSpot, right? Yeah, you can actually do some of the things if you have the marketing suite. Just throwing it out. There. <laughs> Let's just take Mark uh, since he just yeah. asked it. Did you talk about on? about positioning and the messaging during the first 100 days? Yes. Did you want to like make it completely different or were you kind of okay with what was there? Or? Actually, um, yes, in some part. The thing is, before I joined Neurons, I'd actually seen the commercials. I'd seen the ads online. And every single time I thought, wow, this is so cool, but I don't have the time for it. And that's because I saw it as a complex product. What I realized is it's not, it's an advanced product. It's simple to use though like it's yeah it's 200 billion data points but for me it's just a click so we talked a lot about what do we call things just like do you know what cognitive demand is <laughs> neither did i no but that's the thing right so so we're talking about what do we call things because this mm. is a scientific term and it's yeah. really important but we need to maybe explain things better yeah so uh do you know there's a guy called piotr something i don't really remember mm. He, uh, he came up with uh, this uh, strategic messaging map. Mm. It's a framework for how you uh, talk to stakeholders. It's amazing. So I always use that when I uh, when I work with new companies. And you can probably put it in the chat afterwards. That I can put I, it yeah, in the yeah, chat yeah. afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> just write it. And down. this is a strategic messaging map. Basically says, instead of looking just at your ICPs, mm. look at which people do you sell to? 
if you sell to me, for example, you want to make sure that your messaging is about revenue, mm. about people growth, about optimization, all these things. Yeah, because you want to produce like exactly. Yeah. That's what I value, yeah. right? But if I sell to uh, Laura, who uh, I just sat and talked with, right? yeah. she wants to maybe hit a quota or so yeah. on, right? So that's where the whole messaging comes in. There's what we talk about in the company, mm. but then there's also what we talk about to the customer or the prospects. So yeah, we talked about both. It's really interesting. Here's the cool thing about working with the leadership that's aligned. Going into a company as the new guy and saying these things, you can get away with a lot of these questions because you're the new guy, so there's no dumb questions. Mm. So I'll ask <laughs> all these questions, and that's fine. Thomas, who's the CEO, he said, hmm, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, the the well, thing is, imagine yeah. working with the CEO yeah. where you say, how would you feel about this? And he goes, as long as we do it correctly and you know it's by the books, it's scientifically correct, I'm fine. Nice. That's amazing. Couple of things left. Sure. What is your area of responsibility? If you look at, at the task list of a CMO, it's like like nobody everything. in the fucking world can do everything yeah. this world. So this is really one of my guinea pigs. When you take a job, you need you know to make whoever's going to hire you ruthlessly prioritize. You cannot have all of this. So what? Which things do you want? I'm a little bit on the same side, but I would also say. I was once told that there are two kinds of people in business. There are people who bring the problems and there are people who bring the solutions. And it's basically, hey, this doesn't work. What do we do? Rather than this doesn't work, here's an idea. So in the same sense here, my area's responsibility is revenue growth through marketing. But I'm not a marketer. I am a growth uh, person. I don't care if the growth comes from marketing or no. sales or whatever, as long as we hit our goals, right? Yeah. So there was some OKRs that were set uh, by the business. I've challenged a little bit on something here. And the CEO also said, good, let's measure you know, you guys on revenue, mm. which is wonderful. Obviously, that means we have to work closely with sales because, yeah. yeah. So the responsibility is marketing and growth, but that comes through a, a joint effort. Yeah. You know, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, he had a saying, right? Uh, it's an African proverb. He said, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah, I didn't know that was him. I thought that was no, the it, it's, it's an African <laughs> proverb that he used a lot, right? That's a good one. And it, it's so true in business. So all the stuff that you can execute on your own, yeah. run. Everything else, go together. And so but what does that translate into, like, if you have to mention a few of the metrics that you are looking then at I, to I, deliver on? Yeah, I look at all the metrics all the time. <laughs> no, but seriously, I enjoy that part. Yeah. But what I will report on is, did we hit the revenue goals? Yeah. Yes, cool. Then I'll just give you all the proxy metrics. Yeah. If we didn't, I'll say, cool, this is the next step in the funnel. How many opportunities did we work with that happened and so on? And then I'll move all the way up until, okay, someone saw an ad. Yeah. So you can get all this information, but you know the C-level brief is revenue, why we hit it or why we didn't. Hmm. What's the next step? And then whatever information you want, we can get that, right? Yeah. Just out of curiosity, um, what, are, what is the tech stack for... Uh, you do use for marketing uh, at the neurons yeah i'm i'm uh, one of those weird people because i don't look at a tech stack and go nice let's mm -hmm. make a strategy i make a strategy and then go cool what tech stack do i need to support this yeah so the strategy that i started building required a little bit of a tech stack now it's been changing a little bit and um, i'd say we use hubspot it definitely needs a complete revamp Sapir. And this that's is like hub, right HubSpot for everything, both uh, sales CRM and marketing automation. And yes, it is. I'm going to publicly say this, and I will be named in shame. <laughs> I don't really like it for that. 
Okay. I think HubSpot is an amazing sales CRM, really yeah. good. Yeah. But the marketing thing, automation, is built in blocks. There's no flexibility in it. Mm. Of course, there probably is, and I just don't know it. I quite like, you know, Elementor and WordPress, for example. You can build your own landing pages, forms, and so on. Um, so there might be a switch in the future to that. What would you go for for a marketing automation tool? Depending on what you want. I, I quite like Active Campaign yeah. and uh, Zapier. Yeah. Like kind of that uh, dynamic. This, I haven't yet found an issue we can solve with those two, but it, it's a preference, right? Yeah. Before the last question, let's take Joshua here. So as a marketing department, how do you measure or attribute revenue? We marketers aren't customer facing. So how are we influencing that stage of, uh, you know, the funnel? Sure. That's a good question, Joshua. It depends on the company you're in, right? So here, for example, uh, I work uh, with, uh, with Brian uh, and Tony in sales. And what we've done here is we said, cool, this is what we call an inbound lead. This is what we call an outbound lead. Yeah. We looked at the commission plan. We looked at everything to make sure it doesn't matter if it's inbound or outbound. No one cares. Yeah. We don't look at it and glorify one or the other. It is easier to close an inbound than an outbound. What we mm. care about is the revenue. That also means when we measure uh, influencing stage in the funnel, we just look at was it an inbound lead, and then we attribute that back. Mm. There's going to be something where there's a split between this, and then we just put it either way, depending on what logically makes sense. Mm. But it's it comes down to how you uh, you know talk to each other, figure out what you want in the business. And, and Joshua, this is the thing, right? If you have an idea, bring that idea. You know, instead of saying this doesn't work to you know C level, go and say, hey, uh, I have an idea for how we could improve something. Obviously, this is a question if you use Dream Data, this is answered out of the box. But I think what you should be thinking about is that to find what are what can be proxies for producing revenue later on. For example, demo calls. You know if you get people to book of people of the right sort to book demo calls, that's gonna become money at exactly, a later yeah. stage. So I think I think demo calls is a great thing to be measured on because it's meaningful that you produce sales conversations to your company, then it's up to the salespeople to then make sure they actually win the deals. And I think this discussion about marketers should be measured on revenue or what should they be measured on? I do believe they should be measured on revenue, but it's a, what's it called a lacking indicator. It, it comes very late, maybe six months later. So you need early indicators as well that sure. the experiments you do looks to be becoming money at a Definitely, later stage. Yeah. You, you had a really good point earlier, Stefan, when you said you should look at people's motivation. And, and right here in this particular conversation is actually very, very true. Because if you use demo as an indicator, right, you will get people who will book a lot of demos. Yeah. If you use you know, revenue closed, you'll get a people who focus on so on and so on. Yeah. What you need to I'm just, yeah. Yeah, of course. But what, I think what that's we, really worth repeating. <laughs> yeah. That you can have demo call can be a meaningful metric, but not if you're like blinded for what does it yield afterwards? Exactly. So start with what is most relevant for producing revenue and then work your way from back from there. Precisely. So what if you want to combine this, right? Look at people's motivations. So if you have super good team of SDRs and you tell them, we're going to measure on something else now, demo bookings. Hmm. You get 500 demos because they're amazing. <laughs> but what you actually want to say is we uh, will give you, you know, X incentive for a demo. Hmm. But if you book an, uh, a demo with an ICP, that is something or something or something, you'll get, you may be three or four times that. Yeah. Cool. Just finishing off, what's your kind of your ambitions for the work at uh, at Neurons? Or where do you imagine, what have you achieved within the first year or first two years? Or like, where do you see it going? I'd say it's not my ambition for my work. It's uh, our ambition for our work. 
because it, it's a team effort, right? I'm I'm just a dude who happens to fail so many times that I now know where <laughs> not to go. Like that's it. And then if I look at it like this, I, I think that we have a year from now we built a huge setup where there's a large part that's automated, automated, and we have a, a team where everything kind of functions. People are not afraid of making mistakes. They you know continuously go and say, oh, there's an opportunity. They go and do something with mm -hmm. that. We have cemented our thought leader position. Already now, we have three or four people in the leadership who are thought leaders within their industry. Nice. One of them being uh, the CEO in applied neuroscience. Mm. So that's uh, that's the approach. Okay, let's take one sure. last question from uh, Eric here. Do you measure and report on the same metrics for segments with higher ACVs? annual contract values compared to segments with smaller ECVs. So I've been there, uh, it's Probably quite, it's quite new, a, about a uh, two and a half months for now. And I'd say no, this is just my opinion and I'm often wrong, right? But <laughs> my, my point is in this is the same way as if you're driven by goals, a lot of really, really ambitious people set really, really high goals, mm. but they're not the ones who succeed. The ones who succeed are the ones that make something into a habit in order to reach a goal. The same thing here, if I measure, you know, ACV, high ACV deals on one thing and small ACVs on another, what am I actually, what is my goal? So I would rather set a goal, make a habit of, this is uh, what I want to achieve. So I'm not there. How do we get that number up there, right? So no, uh, and I probably never would. There's, what, there's, what do do? There's, there's one exclusion I can see that might be relevant if you're doing really like six or seven digit uh, ACV eight digits maybe then you might do be doing some account based marketing where you probably just like and one of our customers I know for example measures amount of view video completed video views that goes into an account. But I would challenge you on that. Is that an indicator of success? The marketing part here is to it's it's a like a completely international company with of, yeah even maybe even millions of cost uh, uh, millions of employees. So what he's trying to do with marketing is to increase the awareness of you within their company. So his that that is his success. And while I it's one of those things where for, there's the whole conversation about the man Chen and and uh, Li Chen and so on. That, that's not what uh, we should open here. It's an interesting talk, <laughs> yeah, by the way. We can do another but, one. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's more about if you are a marketing leader or any leader in any kind of business, you should always think like the CEO, right? If this was my company all the time. Mm. And in this particular case, I wouldn't measure and report on different metrics. Because if we know that video views for a large company is important, mm. why is it not for a small company? And the, the same way around, if you close you know, a hundred small customers with, um, they click on your about us page. Mm. Why would you not do that on the big one? But it, it again goes back. If you go all the way to the end of the funnel, you have a closed deal. Why was that closed? That's what I want to focus on. But yeah. we measure everything. We just report on, you know, the last part of the funnel. I'm often yeah. wrong. Eric. I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, there's always different cases, but sure. a good question, Eric. All right. Anything about like how to select the next job or the first hundred days in the job. If, if maybe if you look back now, you've been there how long time now? Three uh, months? Two, two months. So two you're months. getting close to, closer to the first 100 days. Sure. Anything you would have done different or something you're happy you did? There's many things I would have done different. But again, I like the place that we uh, we are now. Yeah. And if I changed any of those things, we wouldn't be in place. <laughs> so it's, it's always easy to look back. What I quite like is if we choose a path yeah. and we stick with that path and we make it the best one at all, yeah. until we realize ah we need to deviate right so i'd say 
there's always something we can do better, but it's better to focus on, you know, okay, what can we do in the future? Something that I, I quite like that went well is um, actually how the team greeted me. Mm. They were super open, super humble, super, uh, you know, modest, nice. but they're all really, really skilled individuals, right? So when, when I joined that company, I, I, I actually want to preface this by saying something. If you're actively looking for something, or if you're entering for a leadership role in any company, do this. When you interview, ask to talk to the HR, people and culture person without anyone else from leadership present and do the same with the team that you're going to be managing. So I did the same thing here and I asked the same thing of both. Mm. Uh, I asked our people and culture, do you, do you feel like you're heard? Is your value, is your opinion valued? Yeah. I did the same in marketing, both did. So I knew this is yeah. a good fit, right? Nice. And that is actually something where, you know, that, that is what I would call success is uh, everything I was sold, the box also contained that. Cool. Let's say that's it for now. You Good. have a newborn kid. You need I, to... I, I became a father two days ago. I'm <laughs> running on, you know, two hours of sleep and just all the caffeine in the world. <laughs> Good stuff, guys. Thank you so much for following along. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.